Happy Resurrection Sunday, Summit Bible Church. It's good to be with you this afternoon. Well, as you all know, there are many useless but sometimes interesting facts out there. I have a few useless may or may not be interesting facts to share with you all this afternoon. The first is this. Did you know that the super soaker was invented by a NASA engineer? Does that surprise you? Incredible work of engineering. I think I have a picture here. Also, did you know that Alaska is the only state whose name is on one row of the keyboard. Alaska. Useless, but maybe interesting fact. Did you know, you cat lovers out there, that there are 32 muscles in a cat's ear? 32 muscles. In the cat's ear. Very useless for me, very uninteresting fact. Uh, Sorry, sorry for the cat lover. Okay, here's, here's a fun one. Did you know that Oreo has made, this is their claim, they have made enough cookies to span five back and forth trips to the moon? Now, can you guess which country has consumed most of those cookies? Maybe you don't have to guess. There you have it, folks. Useless and may or may not be interesting facts. There is one historic fact that is neither useless nor uninteresting. In fact, this historic fact is the most significant fact in all of human history. It's the reason that we are here this Sunday afternoon. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Do you really believe that? Do you believe it? That is... That 2,000 or so years ago, a man walked this earth. This man was unjustly prosecuted by the Jews. He was executed by the Romans on a cross. In fact, a professional executioner thrusted a spear up into his side underneath his rib cage, likely puncturing the pericardial sac, which resulted in water and blood being poured out of his side. This man wasn't mostly dead. This man was totally and utterly dead. His garments were divided. His body was embalmed. He was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. A large, impossible for one man to move stone was placed over his grave 
professional imperial guards kept watch over his dead body day and night with their lives at stake for it. And the dead body lay in that tomb three days, two nights. And then suddenly, at the break of dawn on the third day, this dead man quickened himself to life. He got up from the place where he laid. The linens that were wrapped around him were neatly set aside. The immovable stone was moved, not by a man, but by an angel of the Lord, a herald for the king. And like a lion, a roaring lion, awakening from his slumber, like a dignified king coming forth from his chambers, like a decorated general ascending to the top, a pile of rubble victorious, Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb alive. Do you believe that? Do you really believe it? You know, this historic fact is not just a historic fact. This historic fact is the object of our faith. Upon this fact hinges our very hope that Jesus is alive. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. He says in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But it is not so. Because Jesus Christ indeed has in fact rose from the dead. And that's why we are here this Sunday. See, on Friday, we celebrated the reality that our sin died when Christ was crucified on the cross. And today, Sunday, is the day we celebrate the reality that our death died in His resurrection. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ today? How can you know? What are evidences in your life that you could look at today that would show a true faith, a genuine faith, that you believe, in fact, Jesus did rise from the grave? Well, the Bible gives us evidences or fruit of genuine faith. But today, I want to show you in one passage that one of the clearest evidences, one of the clearest evidences of genuine faith in the resurrection is a life that is no longer dominated by sin. In fact, the scriptures tell us that a profession of faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is incompatible with a life that is mastered, enslaved by sin. There is a direct connection from the historical event of Christ dying and raising from the dead to your lifestyle today. You can ask yourself this question today. Is my life ruled by sin 
and therefore dead to God? Or am I truly dead to sin and alive to God? That is the connection that we see from the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ to our life today. And that connection is highlighted in Romans chapter 6. So if you have a Bible this afternoon, would you please turn that open to Romans chapter 6. This passage makes this inextricable connection for us. Romans 6, and we'll start with verse 1. Romans 6, 1. Paul, the author, writes, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, Paul asks a question here that he assumes his audience is thinking. And in order to know the context, we have to go back to Romans chapter 5 to understand why does the Apostle Paul ask this question. Now, Romans 5 is about salvation by works, not your works. Okay, let me clarify. Not your works. It is about your salvation being the finished work of Christ. Romans 5, 19 says this, For as by the one man's disobedience, who is that one man? Adam. The many were made sinners. Because Adam sinned in the garden, we are cursed. All of mankind has been cursed with sin. And so we are all sinners because we have all sinned. But look at the second phrase of verse 19. So... By the one man's obedience, who's that one man? Jesus. The many will be made righteous. So if your faith is in Jesus Christ and His righteousness, you are justified. You are declared righteous. It was Thomas Goodwin who wrote, There are just two men who stand before God. Adam and Jesus. And these two men have all other men hanging by their girdles. We are either condemned in our sin because of Adam and because of our own sin, or we are covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life we could not live. And so we're justified by our faith in Him. Salvation is not you earning your own salvation. You cannot do enough good to cover your wrongs. But Jesus did. And so salvation comes to us as a gift of God's grace based on Jesus's work. Romans 5:20 says, "Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more." God's grace is sufficient to cover all of your sins. You might be here this afternoon and and be thinking, "Oh, I am such a wretched sinner." You may be thinking about all the times that you've sinned against God in big ways and in small ways. You may think that you've exceeded the limits of God's favor. You you may be here today and think you've maxed out the capacity that God has for grace. You need to hear this today. You couldn't be further from the truth. God's grace abounds to cover your sin. You can be forgiven today. Because Christ's righteousness far exceeds your wretchedness. And Jesus died on the cross 
to wash away your sin, to cleanse your sin. And by His life, death, and resurrection, you can be saved. He is sufficient for you above and beyond. Believe in Him today. Like we sang, come to the altar today and find new life in Jesus Christ. But some of you might have the opposite response. You might be thinking, well, if God's grace abounds, then what prevents me from taking full advantage of that? In fact, why not live however I want to live, including sin, because God's grace is going to cover me anyways? That's the question that Paul brings up now in chapter 6. He asks his audience, well, he's asking the question that he assumes his audience is asking, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Just live a lavish life however you want because God's grace is going to cover you anyways? What's his immediate answer? Verse 2, by no means. No, forbid it, Lord, some translations render it. Do not assume that the life given over to sin is compatible with the gift of grace and salvation. This is the heresy, by the way, of antinomianism. That is anti-law. It's the heresy that teaches under the grace of God, you're completely free from the moral law. You can live however you want. You could sin as much as you want because God's grace is just going to cover you. Paul hits that heresy right between the eyes with this next rhetorical question. Look back at your Bibles, Romans 6.2. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? In it, it's an oxymoron. Those two realities are incompatible. The fact that you have died to sin and yet you still live under its power? How is that possible? I mean, you all know that a freed man does not willingly go back to slavery. You know, a butterfly does not go back into the cocoon. A Christian who has who has killed the immoral life, who, 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 with their trust in Christ, the immoral life has been killed. They do not go back to that immoral life. That part of us has died. It's been destroyed. How dare we go back? And we continue in verse 3. Romans 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, Paul uses the word baptize here. We have to understand what it means. Baptize or baptizo means simply to immerse. It can be translated or rendered immerse. So you could read it this way. All of us who have been immersed into Christ Jesus were immersed into his death. You've seen a baptism before, haven't you? A believer's baptism, hopefully. That is, you know, the symbol, the physical symbol of a believer going under the water and coming back up. Do you realize what those, that symbolage represents? The person is immersed underwater representing their union 
with Christ's death. And then the person is raised out of the water, representing their union with what? Christ's resurrection. We are immersed with him. And, and Paul explains it in verse 4. Look at Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Christian, you are united inextricably to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died 2,000 or so years ago, there is a sense in which you died. Well, your old self died. And when Jesus raised again or was risen, rose to new life three days later, there's a sense in which you were raised with him. There is a connection between the historical event and your life today. It's the nature of our union with Christ. And you say, Morgan, I understand that union. I understand that there's a connection between me and Jesus, his death and resurrection. But what are the implications of that union? What does it really mean for me in my life today? Good question, and that's what Paul is getting at here in this passage. We've got to read on. What, what Paul does in, in verses 6 to 10 is he builds two bridges. A bridge from Christ's death to your death, and a bridge from Christ's resurrection to your resurrection. Let's look at the first bridge, the bridge from his death to your death. Look at verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Implication number one. Your sin is deleted. Your sin is deleted. It's brought to nothing. The Greek word for brought to nothing is katargeo, which literally can be translated nullified or canceled. How is that so? How can this great body of sin that all of us have committed, if we were to list out our sins from birth to now, it would be inexhaustible. The list, the scroll would go out of this building and probably all the way down to the border. We have sinned against God tremendously. How can all of that be taken care of, deleted? Well, because of what we celebrated on Good Friday. Because Jesus Christ, He made Him who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf. Jesus Christ bore our sins on the cross. He died the death of a sinner. He took the punishment that you and I deserve. And in that, He canceled the debt. Complete loan forgiveness. No wages owed. Your sins will not be counted against you. Your sin is deleted. And not just deleted, but there is a sense, the second implication, that your sin is dethroned. Your sin is dethroned. 
It's rendered powerless, some translations suggest. You know, it was Jesus who said that if you sin, you're not just a sinner. Jesus said you're a slave in John chapter 8. You're a slave in your sins. Sin literally dominates your life. It can't, you can't free yourself from it. it. It drives you, it leads you, it conquers you, and it beats you into submission. Sin is a cruel master, a cruel slave driver. But when Jesus died on the cross, taking care of your sin, he not only deleted it, he dethroned it. That slave driver, that old master has been dethroned. He was forced to step down when Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb, came and met the demands and paid the penalty for your crime. By his own blood, by his own sacrifice, you were set free. You were redeemed, purchased from slavery by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all from His death to your death. Your sin deleted. Your sin dethroned. There's the first bridge. Now let's look at the second bridge from His resurrection to your resurrection. Look at verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, will never die again. Let me reread that. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. That's good news, friends. Jesus is alive. He'll never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. On Friday, sin died. On Sunday, death died. Jesus conquered death. Implication number one, because Jesus conquered death, you, friend, are free from death's dominion. You are free. From death's dominion, death's power. You know, just like a working job earns a wage or a salary, you know that your sin earns you death. That's what Romans 6.23 says. The wages of sin is death. You know, death is the inevitable end of every man and every woman. All of us will face it one day. Because we've all sinned. It's the consequence of sin. And death always collects his dues. Nobody escapes the grim reaper. He waits for our last breath and takes our life. And he was not just physical death, but eternal death, was an undefeated champion. In the sense that he held power until, listen to this, until he met his match. Jesus Christ 
rose from the dead and will never die again. On Friday, death took him. On Sunday, he took death. And he took the title belt. We have a new champion. The Lord Jesus Christ. And when the firstborn from the dead walked out of that grave, friend, Christian, you walked out with him. Death no longer has dominion over you. No longer has power. Oh, death, where is your sting? So Christian, hear me. There's no reason to go back to living a life like a dead man. Because you're alive with Christ. You know, the angel asked Mary at the tomb this significant question. Mary, why do you seek the living among the dead? Christian, I ask you a similar question today. Why do you go back to the grave to live among the dead? Why are you tempted and why do sometimes you fail and go back to living like a dead man or a dead woman, enslaved to sin, going back to those former passions, those former lusts, those sins that once enslaved you, but they don't enslave you anymore. You've been freed. Death is no longer your master. doesn't have dominion over you. You've been set free from His power. You've been released from the chains of death. You've walked out of the tomb with Christ. So do not go back to living amongst the walking dead. Don't go back to that sinful life. You're no longer dead in your sins, but you're dead to sin and alive to God. The second implication is that you're following a new master. Just as Jesus, at the end of verse 10 there, the life he lived, he lived unto God. So Christian, the life you've been given in Christ, you live unto whom? God. You've been united with him. You have a new master. Here's the summary in verse 11 here. Romans 6.11. This is the conclusion. So, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's the direct line. From his death to your death. From his resurrection to your resurrection. Christian, you are dead to sin and alive to God. So, live like it. Live like it. It's an interesting word here. Consider yourselves in the Greek. It's used in ancient mathematics. It's an accounting term. Uh, It's used to describe coming to a conclusion based on deductive reasoning. It's accepting a solution from ascertainable facts or calculations. So you have you know, the equation, and then you have the solution, the answer. And so, this is what Paul is saying. Okay, follow me here. Jesus Christ died and rose again. Yes? Yes. Okay? A. And then, Christian, you are united with him in his death and resurrection. Yes? Yes. B. A plus B equals, here's what Paul says, so, 
Here's the answer to the equation. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. C. A plus B equals C. This is an objective reality for the Christian. Dead to sin and alive to God. Listen, Christian, don't let the enemy preach to you a different story. Don't allow your emotions to tell you differently. Don't allow your flesh to tempt you otherwise. That old man, that old woman is gone. He, she, gone. And not coming back. When when Christ died 2,000 years ago, so did he, so did she. Now the new man, the new woman, the new creation that you are in Jesus Christ is very much alive today. You, this is who you are. This is your identity. And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of his great work. You want to have a blessed life, Christian? You want to be sanctified? You want to become more like Jesus? You want to grow in your faith? You want to be a more godly man, a more godly woman? Then dwell more often Meditate more often on your identity in Jesus Christ. Say out loud, rehearse in your mind, I am dead to sin and alive to God. Do more of that in your Christian life and it will affect the way you live. Now some of you are here today and you can't say that because it's not true of your life. Instead of being dead to sin and alive to God, you are dead in your sins and therefore dead to God. And you know that. Your conscience bears witness to that today. You know that you're not freed from sin. You're a slave to it. You cannot get out of it. You know that you're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. You need someone who can wash away that sin and free you from slavery. Hear the words of Jesus Christ in John 8. If that's you today, hear Christ's words in John chapter 8. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Turn to Jesus Christ today. Believe that He died on the cross for your sins and that He rose again from the dead three days later. And trust and trust wholly to those facts to that reality surrender your life to Jesus do that today talk to someone after service come talk to me I would love to talk to you about what it means to truly follow Jesus to believe and to have this new life that he offers now Christian if you do believe that well you need to be reminded more often But also, remember this. Jesus Christ's resurrection is the reason, Christian, that you shouldn't sin. As simple as that. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reason that you should not sin. It's the reason you shouldn't go back. It's the reason that when temptation comes your way, you can say, no, I'm dead to sin and alive to God. This is your identity. Look at verses 12 to 14. Here's the practical outworking of this union, okay? Verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. 
Don't do it. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Don't do it, therefore. Because this is who you are. Remember, you're dead to sin and alive to God. But, he continues, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. You can, Christian, live a righteous life. You can follow God with your life. You can say no to sin and walk victorious in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14. For sin, for sin will have no dominion over you. Christian, this is you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Christian, uh, when you stand out at work, Maybe this is the case. You work in an environment where people are very hostile toward the things of God and and live in a way that's very immoral. And maybe somebody's noticed, oh, man, you're different. You're different. You live differently than, than we do. Why is that the case? Why are you different than us? Maybe they'd have asked you, why don't you use the profanities that we use? Why don't you cheat on your spouse? Why don't you get drunk with the rest of the gang at work? Why are you so different? Christian, you can answer in full honesty. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And remember, A plus B equals C. If Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again from the dead, and if I as a Christian by faith am united to him, my old self is is gone and I'm a new creation in Christ, then I'm dead to sin and alive to God. Therefore, I'm not going to present my members as instruments for unrighteousness. I'm going to live for my new master, Jesus Christ. Why shouldn't you sin, Christian? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And in that, he gives us as believers new life. This is what Romans 6 shows us so plainly. And it's such a glorious truth. Because of Christ's resurrection, we have freedom from sin. Because of Christ's resurrection, death doesn't have dominion over us. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. We have something to look forward to. Jesus is alive and he's coming back. And he's going to receive us to himself. Because of the resurrection, we are going to meet Jesus face to face one day. And we're going to see our champion. And we'll embrace him and be with him forever. That's the hope of the Christian. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Friday, the serpent bruised the heel of the seed. On Sunday, the seed crushed the head of the serpent. On Friday, death took our king. On Sunday, our king took death. On Friday was the day our sin died with Christ on that tree. And Sunday is the day our death died when he rose from the grave. This is our hope. This is our faith. I encourage you today, if you do not yet believe, you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, turn to him today. Christian, go out this week 
and do not sin because Christ rose from the grave. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we have a great hope in your Son, Jesus Christ. We have a great Savior in your Son, Jesus Christ. The perfect man, the God-man who lived the perfect life we couldn't live, who died on the cross in our place, who bore the penalty of our sin. He died our death, the death that we deserve. And yet he did not stay dead. He conquered death. And he rose from the grave three days later. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe it, Lord. And my faith rests on that objective truth. It's all I have. It is my only hope. I pray, Lord, today that you would awaken the hearts of those who have not believed. You would awaken the hearts of those online or maybe those sitting in the pews who have not yet surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and Him alone. I pray that they would do that today. Today is the day of salvation. May they turn from their sin, repent from their sin, and entrust wholly in the finished work of Jesus Christ for salvation. God, I pray that we as Christians would be motivated by the truth of the resurrection. We would be driven, motivated by the reality that because Christ rose from the grave, we are dead to sin and alive to God. May we live our lives in light of our identity. God, help us this week to remember when we're tempted to sin. Help us to remember that we should not sin because Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, we will not present our members to unrighteousness. We will not sin because we're His. And we're going to get, live our lives as unto God, to no one else. God, help us this week. Help us to be strengthened in the gospel. Help us to be filled by what your word shows us. And may we live our lives surrender to you. In Jesus' name.